Life Uncut podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This episode is recorded on Gadigal land of the Aurora Nation. to a very special bonus episode of Life Uncut. I'm Laura. I'm Brittany and we are bringing to you some sneaky, cute little packaged up packages from our live show. We are. So each one of our guests who attended the live show is going to have their own little bonus episode this week. And we thought we would kick it off with the very first guest that we had, which was Chantel Otten. Chantel Otten is an incredible psychosexologist. We've had her on the podcast many times in the past, but she came to the live show in Sydney and spoke about orgasms and libido and it truly was such a wild and wonderful time let's get into the chat no look we love talking about sex so let's get our first guest out here she's a psycho sexologist the sexiest of sexologists she is so sexy she is also so incredibly interesting she knows so much about it she's also our resident sexologist on the podcast you may know who she is it is Chantel Otten Would you look at how hot you look? You're too kind. All right, take a seat. Take a Let's seat. Take a seat. All of the silliness is out of the way now. Uh, Chantelle, can I get you a champagne? Yeah. Sure. Why Here's not? Earlier. I'm like, glad you <laughs> Let's said celebrate. Yes. There we go. That was really impressive, by the way. What's up? I learned something. No, I didn't know about the helicopter. What would you have thought it was? And what, okay, in your professional experience and opinion, what could it possibly have been good for except to give yourself sciatica? Okay, no, so I actually thought I did it out the back. I thought I might as well just see what I think it is. And it was similar, but it was like one person like this. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> what was the other person doing? Like, oh! 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 I mean, sure, that could be helicopter 2.0. Swiveling on the axis. <laughs> I have a question for you, and I'm just going to go off piece for a moment. What is your favourite sex position? Is that off piece? <laughs> Am I allowed to ask that? Is that too far? You can say I don't want to answer that question. You just made strangers do sex positions. You can ask the sexologist. You know what? I have so many, but I reckon I'd go 69 because you can do that with all genders. Well, I think it's fun. Great. Um, so got, much yeah. effort. No. I just want to lay back and have someone do it to me. I'm all about giving and receiving, obviously. Oh. One of us is a generous lover. I'm tired. <laughs> that was, you I don't have two kids. <laughs> True. <laughs> We'll talk in a couple of years. Okay, we <laughs> have a question. We need to break that up. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, no, I was just like, Woo. <laughs> you keep going. Oh, sorry, I'm like steamrolling. We had a question that came in on the podcast, and it was a few weeks ago, and we did our best to answer it on Ask Uncut, but I don't know if we actually got to the root of the question. Was that an intentional pun? That was good. <laughs> it wasn't, was it? I could tell. <laughs> so the person had written in, and they said that they weren't sure whether or not they had ever had an orgasm. Mm. And to us, we were like, how do you not know? Yeah. But then 
so many people wrote in and said they either hadn't had one or they weren't sure. Is this something that you experience? And for anybody who is mildly confused, how do you know if you've had an orgasm? Okay. So let's start with how do you know? I think it's like you get this tension in your pelvic floor and I think other parts of your body will start tensing up. Maybe like your, like your butt muscles, your legs, you'll start to feel this like build within your body uh, and you might start getting a bit like, woo, like what is this? You start getting like a little bit, yeah, excited, maybe flushed, maybe a bit sweaty, I don't know. And then you kind of reach this peak where you go, <laughs> and then you go, oh my God, that's like a, you either kind of like lean into it and you can keep going again and again, or you just go, that was like, that was good and that was intense and don't touch that for a little bit now. <laughs> like, let's leave it. <laughs> but does it always have to be like this intense amount of release or do no. people have it to different levels? Because I yeah. guess like that is obviously, when I think of it, I'm like, yeah, that makes mm. so perfect sense. But for somebody who's written in and they're not sure, and yeah. they, they said that they feel like they get to that crescendo, but it doesn't seem as good as what people describe an orgasm to be. Like they're not going, oh, they're like, oh. Huh? It also okay. depends on your expectations, right? I think a lot of people have learned about orgasms through pornography or through movies where people are going, oh, but... You know, you can have orgasms from not just like penetration or the clitoral area, you can have nipple gasms, you can have like head scratchy gasms, like even like scratching the back or like inner thighs, and that's a different type of orgasm in itself. So, you know, it's really hard to measure orgasms because they feel different for every single person. It's like desire, right? Like you can't really measure desire because it's so subjective to the individual. But I think if you can come away from an erotic experience and go, I felt pleasure during that, does it really actually matter that much if you've had an orgasm? An orgasm doesn't mean it's a successful sexual experience. Is there I'm getting hot now. I'm getting hot under the collar. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so we know you can have clitoral, an orgasm via the clitoris. We know it can be penetrative. Is it, for the people out there that have said they've never had one, are there people that will just never have one? Or do you think that for everyone out there, because I know, I know, I'm never going to ask you to put your hand up, but I know there are people right now that have never had an orgasm, which is totally fine. But is there... A, a way that you would say to these people there is a way everyone can get there or will some people unfortunately not get there about 12 percent will not 12 percent of vulva owners will not be able to have an orgasm so that's kind of that's one in ten that's much more common than we think right do you know i think that that's such an important thing to say because i mean i have a friend who's here in the audience and we've had many conversations where we've said we're going to do a podcast episode on talking about someone who has never had an orgasm. And I think that there's this incredible stigma around it where it's like, it's this expectation or just try harder or try this or do this. And maybe it's, yes, try everything. But I also think that it has to come a point where it's okay and that shouldn't be the end goal. That shouldn't be the only thing that you're trying for. Because then how do you end up enjoying the rest of sex at the same time? Well, pleasure should be the goal of sex. It shouldn't be about this goal, like, oriented view of if you're a like, 
cis and heterosexual than penetration, but I think for most people they go, I need to have an orgasm, that means I've had a successful sexual experience. And if I don't have one, my partner's gonna think that they failed and I, you know, I'm gonna have to like fake it. No, you've just gotta go in there and you can literally be honest and say, I don't, like, I don't orgasm, but I'm here to have fun. Like do this, this and this to me and we're gonna have a really good time. I'm about to say something, but I don't know. It's <laughs> I might, do I want to put that out there? Um, yeah, I'll just do it. Um, you, sorry, Dad, turn away. You just mentioned, um, like, some people want to go in there and fake it or just say they're not going to do it. This has happened to me not, not that long ago. We're like, because I'm all about being honest, so I'm like, you know, like, I'm not going to get there. And it's, it's not that I can't orgasm is that I just wasn't going to. And you know, sometimes you have a headache. I, um... Bit of work, So, yeah. like, I, I wasn't going to do it, and I, and I got myself into a pickle, a little pickle-dickle, as Laura would say. I was like, I'm not going to get there. And he was like, challenge accepted. <laughs> I was like, bro, like, literally not going to happen. And he was like, let me get down there. And he was going rogue, and I was like... I'd, and I got to the point where I was like, I'm not proud of this, and Chantel Otten's going to hate me. Not at all. I faked it. I was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> because you know, I was like, like SOS. You're allowed, to, you're allowed to fake an orgasm when you want to get out of there. Like, Did you hear that? Yes. Honestly, <laughs> ladies. We've all done it. <laughs> honestly, though, like, I, I think it's totally fine if you're just like, I'm a bit like, I'm a bit bored now. Like, oh my God, that's amazing. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm <He's> coming. Like, <laughs> I haven't taken your pants off yet. You're like, shoot. <laughs> like, Jump I'm done. <laughs> and that's a wrap. Um, okay, so you can fake it. Because that's actually, you've just put Laura and I out of a job. Because our advice is always just don't no, fake it. I think it's also helpful to mention, seeing as we're on the topic of orgasms, we have to also mention that penetrative orgasms don't happen for the majority of vulva owners. Clitoral orgasms are the way to go. So if you're in a sexual situation like that where you're like, I don't think I'm gonna get there from them pleasing you, there's like, put your fingers down there and finish yourself off while you're having sex with them. Like that is the best thing that you can do. You're your best sexual partner, so why wouldn't you finish yourself off? If you're just a bit over it, you can also just fake it. That's also fine as well. <laughs> Okay, but don't you think, this is the big question we always have when we talk about faking orgasms, don't you think it's just rewarding bad behaviour? Yeah, because they end up coming to me then, like that. <laughs> Guess it depends on how invested you are in schooling that person, really. <laughs> how much time do you want to spend there talking about it? But you know what, like, I think you can always just say, like, if someone's, like, challenge accepted, just be like... That, like you can just be like no <laughs> just, just be like just stop. like let's just have fun don't worry about it like let's just go I'm, I'm cool do this but don't like don't push me don't push me like yeah. all right I'm gonna, I think that's fine I'll, I'll do that next time <laughs> no 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 you did the right thing dad you can tune back in now yeah. um so okay talking about libido uh, and sex drive, because it is, it's a question that we do get a lot and... What we, we wanted to know is where is mine gone? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to be so direct, but like, fuck, wait, how does Laura have sex for more than three minutes without a headache? Sex and kids is hard. You're like, my, 
I've got 20 staff, babe. I reckon five of them are full-time seeing parents, like new parents, because it's so tough. No one tells you that having a baby through having fun and erotic experiences is going to kill the rest of your sex life. <laughs> no, but it is like, you know, it is really hard to, to have like fun erotic experiences after children because you also change your identity, you change your role, like you're not just Laura, you're a mum now, your partner's a dad, and you kind of have to lean into those labels to be able to get through this period as well. It, you're tired, you're exhausted, your kids get a lot of attention, they're touching you all the time, you can get really touched out, your boobs become very unsexy, and I think you probably just want to sleep a lot. I mean, I'm not a parent, but maybe you can tell me. But also your hormones are on the ground as well. And I guess it also, like, for me, that conversation always comes back to this idea that when people say, oh, you know, I just have a higher sex drive, or I just have... And I, I don't know, I mean, you're the expert, you can tell me, but... Are people born with different heightened sex drives? Or is it just that at different phases in our life, it'll go up and down depending on what circumstances are around us and what we're experiencing? Mm. Everyone's will go up and down, but some people will have higher levels of androgens, which are like, we call them like male hormones, but they're not, we all have them. So that's like testosterone, which will fuel your sex drive. Um, and that can make you hornier, of course. Uh, and some people will just grow up in more sexualized environments where they're just much more attuned to it, they're much more focused on it, and they will prioritize it a lot more. Uh, but I think for everyone, myself included, it's just gonna be like that, depending on what you're doing in your life, right? I was just gonna say, it's, it's definitely not just, I mean, of course, for the parents out there, it's obviously exhausting and you're fatigued, but there are a lot of single people out there that don't have kids that, like I go, through phases where I'm like I couldn't care less don't don't feel it don't want it don't think about it yeah. um, and then you hit the five-year mark and you're like well it's about time <laughs> um, but it's it's one of those things that I think everyone goes through for different points and we know there are different things that contribute like stress and things like that but what can somebody do if you're in a relationship with no kids maybe you have kids um, you just want to get a little bit more freaky what what can you do to try to get that libido back all right, so I think it's best to kind of sit back and think, what am I doing in the bedroom? Because I think a lot of the time, if you're also in a long-term relationship, for example, you end up like doing the same thing in the bedroom, like you're on the same session menu. <laughs> I'm also in a long-term relationship, babe. <laughs> that is not directed at anyone on the lounge. doggy sleep. <laughs> Triggered. <laughs> um, but you know, it's like, it, it's like eating the same, like, set menu every single time you go out for dinner you like you don't want to have that every single time you get bored of it so it's the same it's like sexual boredom is going to kill your sex drive right but i think it's important to go okay well what are all the things like if i think back to a really good sexual experience what did it actually look like what did what was a kind of situation uh, i can't even speak what was surrounding it what were the circumstances who was i with how did i feel what was i wearing was my lifestyle, I guess, a little bit more relaxed? Was I feeling healthy and well? And what did I do in the bedroom that made it so much more fun? I think it's about adding some new things into the bedroom as well, because then you get excited about it. Um, I think if you're really concerned, of course, make sure that like your body's in check. You know, what medications are you on? What are your hormones like? How's your stress? Are you, have you got anxiety? Are you a bit depressed at the moment? Like all of those things probably well, not probably, you deserve to be 
you know, given attention for those things as well. But if everything's kind of ruled out, maybe just think, do I actually prioritize it? Am I expecting it to be spontaneous? Because we can't always have spontaneous sex where we just get horny out of nowhere and we want it right there and then. We actually have to look into responsive sexuality, which is where, you know, maybe we're sitting together and I start touching your arm a little bit. She got a little quiver on her lip just then. Why does she think like, I'm ready? She's like, maybe I can lean into this a little bit. You know, maybe it's that we're on this velvet couch and I feel good and I feel sexy. Right. And then you can lean into that responsive sexual desire. Does that? I'm, are we? Yeah, I'm just asking if I can get this velvet couch shipped to my house after this. Well, I also think, like, I mean, I think that sometimes we can think that if couples have a mismatch in their libido, mm. that the couple that that's going to be a huge rift for them. That the couple is then doomed. Do you think that a mismatch in libido can or should be the end in a relationship? I don't think it should be. I think it can be for sure because it really depends on your priorities, right? But I think we're seeing a lot more. Um, conversation around like ethical non-monogamy for a reason these days um, but I also think like we have to have patience if you're spending a long period of time with someone just because you're going through a period where you're not having as much sex doesn't mean that the relationship is doomed your relationship is not just about sex well you know I would hope there would be things like love companionship you know so many other things in there that would kind of trump just sex, if that makes sense. So I think it's about going, okay, well, how distressing is it for me? How distressing is it for my partner? And what can we do to make sure that we prioritize it and we get to some kind of median that we feel comfortable with, both of us? Because we don't want one person always pursuing the other one for sex and the other one going, oh my God, they're coming and just running, pursue a distance their relationships. You know, there needs to be this, hey, I hear that you want to have more sex. I know my desire is low at the moment. Why don't I try doing a little bit more of this? And I'd really like if you stop doing so much of this right now. And let's just try and meet in the middle. What do you think in terms of when it comes to sex, what is the most important thing to have with your partner? And I know we always hone back to this idea of communication, but like how can you improve that with your partner? Because I feel like sex is that one thing that no matter how long you've been with the person, it can still be a really scary thing to bring up. It can be a really intimidating thing to talk to your partner about. I think like your partner's the hardest person to talk to about sex with, <laughs> honestly. I think um, the main thing that you need to have is actually just fun and pleasure in the bedroom. And if you can find some ways of communicating, it doesn't have to be verbal. Like literally it can be through a text message or like sending an Instagram post or, a, or one of your podcast episodes. Not to be clear, not my kind of text message. Don't take a photo and then send it back to them. Oh yeah, I did, I did hear this one backstage. <laughs> doesn't work tried and tested <laughs> but I think it's like I would work with like positive reinforcement and like it doesn't have to be a serious conversation unless it is really distressing I think something like would love to try this or like wow this toy looks fun or like oh I heard about this on life uncut something like that to just like plant a seed if it's really out of bounds I mean, that's the reason why I have a career, right? People need to talk about it because sometimes you need to have someone there with you to help guide that conversation to make it a safer space for both of you. 
Chantelle Otten, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on stage. Thank you. Give her a round of applause. Chantelle, thank you so much. You're definitely coming back on the podcast soon. But just before you leave, give yourself a little shout out. Where can everyone find you? Um, just Chantelle Otten, sexologist. <laughs> and another round of applause for Chantelle. Thank you.